Louis Erickson has agreed to a six-year deal with Vancouver Canucks. Sports fans, what's bapping? I'm Aaron. Uh, my usual co-host, Stefan, is off gallivanting in Australia. So with me today is a friend of the show. You might know him from Blocked Party and Sirius XM Radio, John Cullen. <laughs> has that really stuck in your head since I uh, told you <laughs> about those royalty just, checks yesterday? <laughs> well, just, it, you're, you're telling me about the, the serious radio stuff. And then just this yeah. morning I was thinking, of, I've listened to a lot of podcasts where they say a guy's from Sirius. Or like, when a stand-up will roll through town, it'll have, you know, like, Craig Ferguson and then Sirius XM Radio. So yeah, I just figure it's a thing amongst, serious. if you're in the rotation, that's just like a thing that comedians put on their resume. Yes, yes. I think it's like, <clears throat> I think it's because the royalty checks are so good that comedians are like, oh, maybe I'll just shout them out on my posters. Okay. And stuff. Yeah, I, I, want, like, I want them to stay alive. <laughs> Keep going serious. Yeah. Like, like the royalties are nice that it's actually like your full time job. So you have to like kind of put that totally. as a, as a, yeah, I think it's like a, it's like a sort of a credit, but also kind of a like, a thank you. <laughs> hey, a, a thank you. Yes, exactly. It's like, Sirius is funny too because I, you know, I don't have it. I the only time I've ever had it was I bought a new car like ten years ago, and it came like with six the months one, free yeah. of Sirius or whatever, or one year, or whatever it was. So I'm just like, it doesn't even register as like a consumable product. And then sometimes friends will send me like screenshot or like pictures that they're taking of their own radio, where they're like, "Oh, I was listening to the radio, and like you came on," and I'm like. Oh, yeah, right. That's the thing that's happening, I guess. But it's also like, I just don't think, and I'm a comedian. I don't think I would listen to comedy on the radio. Like, I don't think I would want to flip on a comedy channel. I mean, I guess maybe you get, if you're like on a job site and you get tired of music all day or something. Yeah, like I've, when I was into listening to like the LA comedy podcasts, you know, the ones. I do. We have um, a comedy radio station here in Calgary, like Funny oh, Nine something, and I, I would occasionally like turn that on in the car, which is weird because I'm not a radio guy. I'm like a control freak. So now I'll listen to like whatever sports talk radio that I, I want to listen through, like an app, tune in radio, shout out. Um, but very rarely am I like hitting the different dials on my car radio to like find something to listen to. It was okay. So yeah, I, I assume the serious okay. stuff is like that. I don't know. I've been in like road trips where it's not my vehicle and they have serious. It right. seems all right for like a vibe. I think serious is cool. Like I wouldn't pay for it, but like, yeah, the, like the nineties at on nine is yeah. unbelievable. I mean, it's a great channel. Like there's definitely some good channels on there. I just, I, I think too, it's kind of like what you were saying. Like I'm with comedy. 
I'm very subjective about what I like. And I feel like most people are. So I feel like it would be hard to listen to a comedy channel where someone else is curating. Yeah. You know, like, like you could hear one bit bits. from a comedian and be like, that's great. And then you hear another one and you're like, oh, this is, I don't like this. And I guess I'm just in here for three or four minutes. <laughs> Different than having a song playing in the but like even if it's a song playing in the background that you don't love, you can just kind of be like, oh, whatever. tune it out. It's yeah, a song, like, I'll tune it out. It's fine. You're but listening a joke, to I feel like someone else's opinions. Oh man, I'm just thinking about stand up comedy now. There's there's one time I saw John <laughs> perform at the now closed. <laughs> it was Oak Tree in Kensington. Oh Calgary. yes, yes, yeah. yep. And I believe John was like the headliner slash host, and uh, probably headliner. Yeah, yeah. But there was more like both, maybe. I don't know. I, I seem to recall. I don't think I would have like been. I wouldn't have been both. Oh, so okay. okay, then I must have been hosting if, well, if I was on stage. Or maybe your head. Like, I forget. Who cares? It doesn't there, matter. Yeah. There was a comedian there. Uh, Use that term loosely. It was probably like his like first or second <laughs> open mic, and he uh, he starts going in on um, flight attendants and how they like oh, ask you too yeah. many questions on the plane or whatever. And it was like not a good fully formed bit or anything, and. There was like I guess a couple of uh, like flight attendants in the audience, and I forget what his like jokes even were about them, but they weren't good. It was like kind of offensive. And they're like, "Hey, no, no, it's not like that." They kind of like gave a bit of pushback, and he was like, "He called them cunts." Like immediately, <laughs> he jumped into that. He was like, "Shut up, you cunts!" And like completely lost any good grace that he had in the audience, and it was just like <laughs> crickets. It's it it tells you how many bad comedy sets I've seen that I don't have any <laughs> recollection of that whatsoever. Cause that does feel like something that would stand out maybe in my like early days of comedy. But now I've seen so many bad sets that I, there's only a, a few that are just above and beyond that stick out to me. Yeah, no, that was uh it was really good. Cause you could tell that he had been like, I don't know, watching how to deal with heckler YouTube videos right. when someone really has good control of an audience and you can say basically, no, not this time. That's how I do it. I just get on stage. And the first thing I say is what up? Cunts? You know, and then they're, and then they're just all on board immediately. They love it. Woo! Hoo, 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 hoo. <laughs> this guy tells it like it is. <laughs> um, what is one that really stands out to you as like a horrible bomb that you've seen? Oh, I I always tell this story, and now I live I live and now I live here. But I I um I uh it was it was so horrible. Um, it was in Calgary. Uh, so what they do, what they used to do in Calgary is, so you'd come into town to play the yuck yucks, and mm -hmm. so that would usually be like a show on Friday and Saturday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I can't remember what it was back then. I think it was th Friday, Saturday. And then on Thursday, they had the amateur night. And then what they would do is if you were like headlining that weekend, they would have you run a workshop before the am night and they would let you headline the amateur night. So it'd be like okay. an hour before the amateur night started. It was like it could be the comedians on the show. It could just be other amateur comedians in the city. But they would come and you just sit around a table, give them advice about comedy, whatever. It was a good idea. Like yeah. it's actually like a cool kind of thing. So, so I do this, and the only problem with that is then you like get to know the people. So it's so you feel like you know you have some feeling for them. Like sometimes you'll see a comedian bomb, but it's mm -hmm. like you've never even talked to them. like you know they weren't in the green yeah. room or whatever. You didn't even talk to them. So it's 
it sucks, but you're like, uh, you don't feel that bad because you don't even know them. Whereas like this woman, I was doing this workshop and she was like very eager and was asking a lot of questions and whatever. And she just seemed very nice. And I would say at the time she was, I want to say like late thirties, early forties, maybe. Mm -hmm. So she, so, and she's just like, you know, dress normal, just like a normal looking woman. So the amateur night starts. And then when she comes on stage to do her set, she's wearing a trench coat. So she like whatever she was wearing before, she's now not wearing Mm -hmm. and she's wearing a trench coat and the trench coat comes down to about her knees and she has nothing like no pants on. Like, so you can see her legs. So I guess you're kind of thinking like maybe she's naked under this trench coat, I guess is the idea. I'm not sure. So she's doing her set and she is just bombing uncontrollably, like just zero laughs like doesn't even really have jokes. Like sometimes you'll see newer people to stand up. And you think to yourself, like, I don't even think you've, like, I don't think you've watched stand-up before. Like, I don't think you understand, like, what a stand-up joke is. She was like that. So she's bombing, bombing, bombing. And I, to this day, I've told this story on Block Party before. So Block Party listeners to this pod, sorry that you've heard this before. But to this day, I genuinely cannot remember what the joke was. But her big closer was she had some kind of joke. And the big end punchline of the joke was a, was the reveal that she takes her trench coat off and she's wearing a diaper. <laughs> and that's like the big, and again, I, I, I wish to this day I could remember <laughs> what the setup was, but I, this was supposed to be her big, so she, and she was covered up top, like she was wearing like a tank top and then, but then, and like an adult diaper. So she kind of like, you know, with a flourish rips the trench coat open and she's wearing a, an adult diaper zero laughs and then she just kind of has to be like okay that's my time thanks everybody and just like walk (laughs) off stage wearing an open trench coat and a diaper and so it's just like you go through all those steps of like she brought like she thought of this joke she thought it was good enough she went to buy adult diapers for this joke she brought an a a diaper to the club with a trench coat Mm -hmm. she changed before her set god all to like <laughs> bomb for five full minutes and then have to oh, walk off stage man. in a diaper. That <laughs> it is, was brutal. That is rough. It was, it was so brutal. And it just, yeah, it stuck with me forever. And that was pretty early on. Like I was probably maybe four years into comedy. So it was like ten, just, just under 10 years ago. Well, shout and out it's to her. still, yeah, it's wherever she, I hope she's doing well. Cause she seemed like a very lovely person. It was yeah. just not Well, good, the fact that you were like, she's one of your guys now. She went to the workshop. You're, you're rooting. I for know. Him. Yeah, totally. Totally. That made, that definitely made it way worse. Well, I, that just, I had like kind of talked to her a little bit before. Uh, speaking of rooting for things, that's a good segue. And, <laughs> Great segue. And, and John being in Calgary now, John and I went to an Abbotsford Canucks and Calgary Wranglers game last night, the uh, yes. the night of the outlaw, which the rise is of the outlaw. rise of the outlaw, yeah, which was, it was in the day. It was in the day. Very yeah. important to remember. Yeah, yeah we it was at one p.m. at a one p.m. game with a lot of children. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think maybe the highlight from the game for me was uh, there's a kids hockey team there and some rambunctious kids right along the the glass and uh, this one kid John saw just drop his popcorn on the floor and then start eating it off the floor. <laughs> It it was like so I don't he poured it on the floor. I oh, should be clear. So he it didn't like, like fall on No, like I think he just thought like, oh, I'm tired of holding this popcorn bag. 
So like what I'll do is I'll just dump the rest of the popcorn on the floor. So I watched him dump it on the floor and I was like, okay, he's just like being silly. I'm dumping my popcorn on the floor. And then yeah, like 30 seconds later, <laughs> just bends down, takes a huge scoop of it off the stadium floor and shoves <laughs> it. Well. And he wasn't young enough for that to make sense in my yeah, mind. Like, he like looked like he was they were 10. Yeah, oh, I would 10. have said, I think like nine or 10, like okay. old enough where you should know. You don't eat stuff off the floor, number one. Yeah. You definitely don't eat stuff off of an arena floor. Yeah. And don't, like in public, too. Like, I'm all for yeah. the, the five second rule or whatever. But uh, no, they're having a lot of fun. Uh, the game itself, yeah. which I guess is the more important thing if you're listening to the, the yeah. podcast about hockey and the Canucks. I don't know. The Canucks didn't have Arch. Yeah. It, it, was, it was fine. Um, yeah. No Archdeep Baines. He's hurt, I guess, which explains yeah. why he wasn't called up earlier for anyone that was inquiring about that. Uh, no Christian, Christian will land in either. Um, Klimovich no was Klimovich. scratched. Yep. Uh, so, like, of the, I guess, interesting Canucks players to watch, like, didn't really notice anything from Jet Wu. Um, Pod Colson looked fine, but not as good as you'd want him to, like. He had a couple yeah, shots on look, net, but it was like... He didn't look above the AHL. No, there was just directly into the logo. And I get that he's coming back from injury, but um, wasn't anything to to write home about. Thought Ratsy looked fine. Again, yeah, a couple fine. shots on net. Linus Carlson also fine. Just nothing really that exciting. Um, probably the biggest standout to me is Dustin Wolf is really good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. he... Uh, it, it's like when you... I think... You know, and you, I know you've been to a decent number of AHL games as well. Um, this is probably my like sixth or seventh, but you know, I went out mm-hmm. to Abbotsford, uh, you know, quite a few times. And I think like the thing with anytime you go to an AHL game, and I guess this is even true of like major junior to a WHL or an OHL game or whatever, you're just like always looking for the players that stand out. That's like yeah. the exciting thing is you see someone, you go, wow, they're too good. They're just too good to be mm-hmm. playing here. And there was no one on either team yesterday that played like that, except for Dustin. Wolf. Yeah. The Dustin Wranglers Wolf. got outshot by double. The shots were 38 to 19 for uh, Abbotsford. And he just looked so calm. Like it was like a ton of deflections and like jam plays in front of the net. Mm-hmm. And he just looked in total control. Like it, it looked like the Canucks just couldn't figure it out. Like, yeah, just, like, the final score is what three one, and the only goal the Canucks scored was an incredibly lucky bounce off a defender that worked kind of as like a cross seam pass. So it actually yep. like opened him up to do that, and then it was Linus Carlson, I believe, scored yep. it. But like you needed to do something was like incredible to beat him or get supremely lucky, like they did. Um, to your point, like last year when I saw, actually when I saw Paul Colson play earlier last season in Abbotsford. I thought he did look like a step above everybody else out there. And that wasn't the case. And then like anytime I saw Hoaglander playing the AHL, it was very clear that, that was an NHL player playing amongst AHL players, but yeah, nothing really stood out. I got a player that kind of impressed me was Tristan Nielsen. He, yeah. uh, he forechecked pretty hard. I could see him getting like a potential call up if there are like a lot of injuries. Cause I know he is signed to like an actual contract now. Um, yeah, he looked he looked pretty solid. He he looked okay. I think the thing that I noticed among, you know, the the Canucks guys cuz I listen to this podcast a decent mm-hmm. amount. So I'm I'm fairly I'm fairly aware of 
the Vancouver like farm system type thing. And I think the biggest problem for a lot of the Canucks uh, prospects is they can't skate. Like I, I yeah. think it's going to be like Carlson is very slow. Aiden McDonough is very slow. I forgot about him entirely. Yeah. Yeah, Jet Wu does not look dynamic on the back end. Like I think it's, you know, maybe guys that have scored points at other levels and 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 maybe have some attributes, some pro attributes to their game that, mm-hmm. you know, that has led to them getting signed with the Canucks or whatever, but um but yeah, it it, it felt like skating is going to be an issue like that whole, if if those guys get held back from the NHL, it's mm-hmm. going to be a skating thing because they they just didn't have separation speed and Carlson you know, he looks like he's got some tools. He's got a good oh, totally. shot. He's Big a body. good offensive player. He's huge. Um, but his skating is going to be, he, if he doesn't get a step faster, he feels like a kind of guy who's just never going to get there. Yeah. Like he played a game with them like a week ago. I want to say, I forget which game it was. It was one of the okay. losses. Um, and yet when he got to the puck at the NHL, he looked like he completely belonged. It was just like a matter of actually getting there which was the difficult yeah. part. And then I think too, like the Canucks recently called up Nils Amon, who I've been a fan of for a while, more so than market. Um, but he can really skate. And I think you see that when he's in the NHL, he's beating guys to the puck and it's like maybe cleaning up the finishing, but he's, he was a point per game in the AHL. And uh, I mean, one of the AHL games that I saw last year, he had like an insane snipe coming down. So I've been, Oh, this guy's actually got like, a shot and some skills. And I think if you're just watching him play only in the NHL, um, you would see, would think like, wow, this guy needs to finish a bit more, but he's got, got a little bit of talent. Um, didn't really see it last night in the game against San Jose, which I'm sure you didn't watch because why would you? It was, I did not, not watch a good Vancouver game. play San Jose. On it a was, Saturday it night was night. not a good game at all. Um, <laughs> it was like a tired team versus a, a bad team and the the bad team and won. also tired like every yeah. it was a weird NHL schedule this week they like took two complete days off there was no ga- NHL games on Tuesday or Thursday and then every single team on Saturday aside from Vegas and Arizona was playing a back to back yeah. So it's like oh cool so they had all these Black Friday games and then just made like 12 or 16 of the black Friday teams also play, play on, Saturday on Saturday because Saturday. like Saturday you need to have a bunch of games. Did yeah. You, you got to do something. Did you see Jeff Merrick's explanation as to why there weren't any games on Tuesday? Yeah. That the buildings were already booked or something. Except for, it's like, it was like, I think Vancouver, Vancouver Arizona, and Calgary. And Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess American teams, they, um, they request, to like have home games over Thanksgiving so like they can be home for Thanksgiving or whatever. Right. And so that's why like Vancouver and uh, Calgary on the road and Toronto to Montreal. I think all the Canadian teams are on the road except maybe Winnipeg. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know where Winnipeg, maybe that Winnipeg game was a road game, but But, yeah, all, most of the Canadian teams are on the road. Yeah. And then if Arizona would have played on Tuesday, it would have been, four games and five nights for them, which is also like not allowed in the CBA. Yeah. Um, oh, Winnipeg was on the road too. Sorry okay. to interrupt. No, it's all good. And I was listening to 32 thoughts the other day and apparently the Canucks used to with their, like, this sounds like a GM Mike Gillis saying they didn't specify when, but they would have like their team sleep doctors uh, work in conjunction with like what their arena schedule is. And then they would submit 
their ideal schedule to the NHL about like, this is what we'd like if we can get it this way, please. And then like the NHL would like try and work around it. And I guess it's like less like that now, but uh, yeah, apparently teams just submit like, Hey, here's when we'd like to play. Here's what's going on with us. And then the NHL has to figure that out logistically, which what an awful fucking job that would be. Oh my God. I know scheduling like thousands of games. It's an, a total nightmare. I've done scheduling for my fantasy hockey league and that doesn't involve booking arenas or anything. And it sucks. It's a nightmare trying to work out like all the, you know, making sure everybody plays each other the right amount of times and, and all of that. And, and like, yeah, not to, make this about the Leafs oh, go uh, for I it. think listeners know that I'm a, a Leafs fan but um, like the Leafs really feel like they got absolutely boned by the schedule and I know that that's not news to Canucks fans who have, you know I know yeah. the Canucks have definitely gotten boned by the schedule many times but the Leafs got to go to Sweden play two games in Sweden then come home to practice for two days before going on the road for a back-to-back out of their time zone Ugh. it's like what are we doing? Like, how is that yeah, a thing? You- and I know the the Leafs were the only one of the four Sweden series teams uh, that those were away games for them. So all the other uh, stadiums or mm-hmm. uh, global series teams got at, at least one of the Sweden games was considered a quote unquote home game. And then apparently the reason for that, I was listening to, um, I think it was Kipper and Bourne were talking about it. But uh, this is kind of another sort of like Jeff Merricky kind of inside yeah. thing. But apparently what they do, because the the stadium in Sweden that they played in only holds 13,000 Avicii fans. Arena. Avicii Arena. Yes, formerly the Globe. Uh, whenever you have a historical arena uh, that everybody knows the name of, you definitely have to change it to a guy, a D- Swedish DJ who uh, overdosed and died. Do you remember where you uh, were when he died? No. Oh, I was I was in <laughs> Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I, was in Sydney, I don't. I, I don't even think my, I knew uh, who Avicii was. Really? really? That's the. Um, hey, I know who he is, brother. I, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm. I'm being a little facetious, but no, I do not remember where I was <laughs> when I found out Avicii. I probably found out it several days late. But apparently, what they do is because the stadium is like less fans and and whatever is essentially the NHL buys out a sold out home date for the teams if they're playing a quote unquote home game in Sweden. Mm-hmm. So they say like, okay, well you're losing this date at the XL energy center or whatever. So whatever the sellout is for the XL energy center, that's what we'll pay you to go to Sweden. And the Leafs obviously have the most expensive sellout in the league. Mm-hmm. So they made the Leafs have both of their. So you guys are going to get last cha- or first. No, what is it? You first change. You're yeah. going to get screwed over on the changes. Um, <laughs> and then you're going to come home and you're going to go to a different time zone to play Chicago in the afternoon. And then the next day you're going to go to a different city in a different time zone and play again. Yeah. Like I, I get why the NHL would do that, but it's still uh shitty. And yeah. then uh, <laughs> I kind of goes back to like why there weren't any games on actual Thanksgiving either, because the NHL is such a gate driven revenue league not tv because like if you put an nba game on tv and nobody goes um they're still going to make a ton of money from their tv deals and advertisers whereas the nhl doesn't have that type of pull so if you're like in columbus you're not leaving thanksgiving dinner to go and uh 
watch a NHL game at 7 p.m., right? So No, definitely you're not. They're no not, not only are they afraid of like NFL football, but they're also afraid of just like not having anybody show up in half of their markets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for totally. Yeah. No, it makes sense to not compete with the NFL and not try to bring people away from their family dinners, but yeah, it just uh the NHL is uh is a real Mickey Mouse league sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, actually, on that note, because this came out on the last week, too. Uh, what are your thoughts on the not World Cup best on best international series thing? What a joke. I If you're going to do it, just have Canada play the U.S. If you're going to not include Russia, if you're going to not include, you know, any of the Germany, like Germany's low key kind of sick. Like yeah. they're not they're not competitive. But they've got Dreisaitl, they've got Cider, they've got Paterka, they've got Stutzla. Mm-hmm. Like they're they would actually be exciting to watch. They won't win probably, but they'll be exciting. And uh, so yeah, if you're not going to include all those guys, then just do a, like a five or seven game series, Canada versus the USA. That's all people want to see anyway. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. I, I saw actually kind of a low key good suggestion from Ian Mendez mm-hmm. uh, of the athletic where he suggested they do a seven game series, but it alternates men versus women, Canada versus USA. Oh, weird. So like game one is the men game two is the women. It counts towards the same series total. And okay. then if it goes to a game seven, you decide like maybe half the game is men and half is women or like he was just basically saying difficult like, at the end, but like, it's for conceptually sure. a cool idea. Got, yeah, like he's like, if you're going to make it a gimmick, like just go all the way, uh, make it this gimmicky thing. And he was like, wouldn't that be a great advertisement I, for women's hockey? You've got all the men's teams like the Canada and USA men's teams in the stands. They're watching the women's yeah. game, cheering, whatever. Like, yeah, I can. um I can just imagine some discourse now. Like imagine like theoretically the uh the Canadian men's team does really well and like they you know win their first three and then the women lose their first three against the uh the states. Like imagine the the little fucking verified Twitter accounts with like 84 followers <laughs> that would be replying to everybody being a like I could see might sound some... something like the open mic comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, that, that would be interesting. I, and I think, I don't know. I think the U S is just going to clobber Canada on both fronts. Like I think in international women's hockey, like I don't pay super close attention, but it seems to me like the U S usually wins those U S wins right? more, but Canada always wins the big games. Right. So like aside from the U S one gold in, uh, 16 or no sorry 18 Mm -hmm. but then the canadian women won it back in 22 so like i think the the canadian women have won almost all of the olympic gold medals i think the u.s has only won twice since they've been doing it i think the 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 u.s women usually win like the world championships that they do they have right yes uh it they cut that kind of alternates it but the rivalry series the u.s women win all the time okay uh, like they do the like the, best of five, like okay, rivalry yeah, like series playoff or whatever. Thing. Um, I, I think that uh, Canada is going to be in tough against the next like oh, best yeah. on best American team. They're just the gold. Way too the goaltending is a problem. Yeah, but, but the goaltending is, is a problem. Carter Hart or Bennington. Those are like oh, it's like man. it's like Carter Hart, Bennington, Mark Andre Fleury's corpse. Uh, yeah, like. The, I, 
I know people were excited maybe about Devin Levi, but he has not been good. He's this not year. ready yet. Yeah. yeah. Like I could see by the 2026 Olympics, maybe Devin Levi's in that conversation. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's rough, especially when you consider the states have Hellebuck, Ottinger, uh, Stuart <laughs> <Canadian> Skinner, <laughs> Maple Leafs legend, uh, Joseph Wall. Yeah, no, there's a there's a third American goalie I'm missing. Oh, it, John Gibson. It, Demko, Ottinger. Oh, Demko, Demko. That's um, one. Demko, Ottinger, and Hellebuck would and probably Hellebuck, be your yeah. three goalies. That's, <laughs> that's uh, crazy. That's nasty. And then that's like nasty, you have yeah. all the Hugheses. You have yeah. Tage. You have Matthews. Like the Kachucks, Eichel. The Kachucks. Oh yeah, it's it's a problem. Like I think on the ice, it's probably like pretty close but yeah. i think the goaltending is an issue yeah because like, canada you still got crosby mcdavid mckinnon marner mccarr like you know uh shea theodore petrangelo like the defense mm-hmm. won't be a problem for canada the no. forwards will definitely not be a problem marchand you got all those guys it, like they'll be good at, they'll be good out wise but uh yeah the goaltending is the goaltending yeah. is a problem well, like the, the year where it was when oh, yeah, 2014 so- where Canada just played the best defensive hockey ever and there was never a chance of like yeah. you could have anybody in net. <laughs> they beat the and- US one nothing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. <laughs> but we're in total control the whole time. And I just don't think that their roster is like that much better now that they could do that because I think no, that team could not. have won with like, you know, Carter Hart and Net. And I- I'm it's hard with Carter Hart because he usually plays on a really bad team, and it seems like he's one of those goalies that can get hot every second or third year For and sure. be quite good. So maybe that would be successful, like if he's playing behind McDavid and McCarr and McKinnon, etc. But I don't know. If I was putting money on it, I'd probably be betting on the states. I actually don't hate the Summit Series idea, though. I do feel like something's going to get fucked up, and you're going to get like a Canada Finland final. And everyone's going to be upset about it because isn't the idea they play like a game in both countries and then based off of that, there would be like a semifinal, uh, presumably in North America. Yeah, it sounds like they maybe want to try to have Finland and Sweden play their games in Europe and Canada and the U.S. play their games in North America. Yeah, which is rigged against Sweden and Finland. Because then they're going to come back and be jet lagged and have to play like a murderer's row team of like whoever from Canada or the U.S. Um, Yeah, which is probably what the league wants, because you want the big final game to be Canada versus the U.S. But to your point, then you just do a five game Canada U.S. series. Go like, yeah, I don't know, Toronto, New York, Chicago, Montreal, Boston, Boston, L.A., maybe. You want yeah, to spread throw, the love. Throw a game in the Western time zone or Seattle even. They yeah. To be like oh, no, it'd be Vegas. The fifth game would be Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, um, I'm looking at the women's results here. The uh, So, yeah, Canada has won the gold five times and the States has won it twice. Okay. Uh, and then in the women's worlds, 
the States won in 2023, but Canada won the two before that in 22 and 21. But then the States won the five before that one. Okay. So I'm probably thinking about the five before it that were. <clears throat> yeah. It's know. kind of like, yeah, it, it, it just seems like definitely the U.S. has had the better team most of the time, but Canada just finds a way to win the Yeah. Games. Well, well, I forget which Olympics it was where like the Canadian so women cheap. came back. In the so third cheap. period yeah. and won an overtime. 14. Yeah, that was so sick. That Marie was so Philippe cool. Land, both both the goals and well, and the states hit the post of the empty net. Right, and then, and then Canada brought it back down to score to tie it, and then got a power play in overtime and scored on the power play to win. Speaking of empty nets, that Canuck Sharks game last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's get back to yeah. that. We tried to start talking no, about that it, like fifteen minutes ago. Yeah, no, it we was were like a oh, pass. Yeah, it, I was like. <laughs> I'm not dreading recording those podcasts, but when they lost, I'm like, man, I don't want this fucking team. They, I, I don't know. Talk it had a very short availability afterwards where basically he said, I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It was only like a minute and a half. Uh, playoff teams don't play like this, which I can agree with. Um, you look at every underlying number and the Canucks were up on it. Like any short of course type of coursey metric, high danger chances, et cetera. So like, the I saw like the deserve to win o meter. Have you seen that one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it had the Canucks is like eighty eight percent deserve to win. So it wasn't like they were <laughs> terribly outplayed, but they uh, didn't look too great in the first. They controlled play mainly, mostly for the second, and then had like a kind of against the grain goal scored against them. As I recall, I don't know. It kind of blends together to me now, even though it was like twelve hours ago. Um, <laughs> Then the real heartbreaker was it was tied to two beginning of the third period and uh, Grandland kind of dangles the entire Canucks. And uh, where was that? Where's that been the last five years for Mikhail Grandland? <laughs> and, uh, like, I thought it was Eklund when it first happened. I'm like, oh, he's like a good young player. Good for him. And then they like cut to like Grandland on the bench talking about this goal. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? How did you bozos let this happen? And oh, man. Yeah. And then they scored another one. It's 4-2. And the Canucks really turned on the heat for the last 15 minutes. And they scored, like, an empty netter after <laughs> San Jose whiffs on, like, three of them. Um, but I, you can't be doing the moral victory thing in a loss against the San Jose Sharks in, in November. Like, that's... I'm not here for that. So I can not I don't want to give them props for right. making it a game against the San Jose Sharks in a game that they like easily should have won. Um I don't think Pedersen uh looks healthy. I know that's the buzz around the market and he yeah, said I've that heard, he's like, I've, No, I've I'm seen fine. Saying that. And he's played like I think he played like twenty four minutes last night. That was a lot. Uh they really rode him. Um Kuzmenko scratched for two games in a row. I don't yeah, know if that was that? if that was in the availability you watched because when the Canucks posted the talking interview, they, they cut that out, but a, Oh yeah, no, I, I watch, I watched the 92nd post game one where he talked on, about the playoff, on Twitter. playoff teams don't yeah. do this or whatever. Yeah. So like on the, on the audio version, there is another question by a sharks reporter. That's like Andre Kuzmenko scratched two games in a row. Like where does he sit? And he's like, I'm not here to talk about that right now. I'm here to talk about this game. We'll, we'll get into that later. Thanks. And like, that's the end of the, the availability. Uh, I think it's a fair question when the Canucks were for sure struggling to score. And Kuzmenko is, is in the press box in favor of like Sam Lafferty on the, the Pedersen line, which 
I like you know Lafferty quite well now as a Leafs fan. Yeah, we uh, we had to sign Ryan Reeves. We, we had to make room for Ryan Reeves, so we had to give up a guy who can actually play. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, he had a disallowed goal in the first period, which probably didn't help the the Canucks. Uh, effort because it seemed like okay well the Canucks scored like let us slowly build on this even if it isn't like a great win like at least they're scoring and that was called back for goaltender interference it probably was interference like I get why they challenged it um Lafferty was skating from out behind the net and then like he clipped uh what's their goal is it Kakinen's skate yeah and maybe he could have avoided it it looked pretty incidental but like I also get why they called it back um and he seems like a good stylistic fit to play with that line because he crashes the net. He's bigger. He's pretty fast. He he plays he's fast for sure. He yeah. plays the right way. Um, basically, like the antithesis of how Kuzmenko plays on that line. Like Kuzmenko does look for the extra pass and is very like east west, which is good when it works. But then I also understand why Tockett doesn't like it. But he's also incredibly skilled. So like. If you're lacking top six scoring and you're getting cape, you wouldn't you want the most skilled guy out there? Um, well, I think too, yeah. Like if you're sending a if you're sending a message, right? Like I guess that's the idea. Is you you know uh, like the Columbus coach uh, Lonnie, Pascal yeah. Vincent? Uh, that's the only move he has. Apparently, he's just I oh, scratch everybody. Kent Johnson, he's he's in the AHL. Uh, I don't have time for these guys or whatever. I can't believe that Yarmo's letting him have this much power, but that's a yeah. Like what? But like y- what maybe is the Yarmo point? knows that he's gone anyways, and so he's like, he yeah, does. fuck it, I don't care. He does for sure. He does for sure. But it's just like it's so stupid. But that to me is like okay. You you want to scratch a guy for a game to quote unquote send a message? You know, I've always thought that that's sort of a you know that's a real capital old men hockey move like oh you know yeah. Patrick Line even said that he's like I don't know what I'm supposed to learn about the game sitting up in the press box eating popcorn but whatever if they think <laughs> I'm going to learn something by sitting up there then fine mm-hmm. and I do think it's like you know it is funny because I I do listen to Kipper and Bourne quite a bit uh, I think Nick Kiprios is a complete moron uh, but Justin Bourne is a very good very good hockey analyst and the producer Sam McKee is, is also very good. And he's, he's kind of like a third mic on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks a lot, but Kiprios will say stuff like that about the, about certain Leafs players, like just give them a game to sit in the press box. You, you do, you learn from up there. Like when you're on the ice, you're not learning when, but when you're up there, you know, you can really see the play and you learn. And I'm like, fuck off. That's, that's, that doesn't mean <laughs> yeah, anything. If you're like 29 years old. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you've been in the NHL. You've like, well, played what? 500 games yeah. in the NHL or whatever. Like what, uh, you know, but anyway, even if that's what you think is a good thing to do with Kuzmenko, Oh, we've got to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not, Oh, he's going to learn from watching the press box, but it's, we got to teach him a lesson that he's got to learn how to play defensively or yeah. whatever the case. Scratching him two games in a row and when the second game is the second game of a back-to-back and you yeah, can bring like, in a guy with fresh legs and you had travel like Seattle to San Jose is not, you know, that's do, substantial do you know travel. The, like, like, the, the secret, um, what makes that travel even shittier is the mm. San Jose airport has a curfew for when flights can come in. So if you're traveling to San Jose on the second night of a back-to-back, you have to fly into Oakland and then bus to San Jose. Oh, yeah, that's like a... 45 minute bus ride yeah so like they probably didn't get into their hotel until like 
2 3 a.m right like yeah that's uh that's really rough it makes the san jose second night of a back-to-back like very risky which isn't to make excuses for the canucks necessarily but like i was very surprised that they scratched them two nights in a row for exactly that reason like i don't see it it doesn't make sense to me what is the second like if the first night is to prove a lesson is the second night he's going to learn more of a lesson like no i I think it's just that they (laughs) thought that this iteration of the roster gave him a better chance to win which you, you cannot tell me Nilzaman gives you a better chance to win than then, Andre yeah, Kuzmenko the, the, or, or pick any number of the fourth line guys. You can't tell me Phil mm-hmm. DiGiuseppe gives you a better chance to win than Andre Kuzmenko. I'm oh, yeah, exactly. Um, just get him in there. Like he's you're trying to score goals late. Like I'd much rather have him out on the ice than whoever else you're going to plug into that position, even on the power play. Right. Like they've had Philip Peronik out there and he scored on the power play which was uh, good, but it makes the second unit really dire because the the two things that they've tried is they either have Quinn Hughes out for two minutes, which, fine, I love watching Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes had uh, 11 seconds shy of 30 minutes on the ice yesterday. He played 29-49 and Heronic played 28-46. And what we were saying earlier... That's too much. That's too much. Pedersen played 24-09. That's also Um, too much. And uh, where, where, where's Nils Oman at here? Wasn't he showing up on? Oh, there he is. Ten minutes. Come on, you can get Kuzmenko in there. Get Kuzi in there, man. It's yeah. It just it's it's. I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm not an NHL coach. I'm not in the room. Maybe there's other things Kuzmenko's doing that this is sort of like a punishment for that they're not talking about, or yeah. I don't know. Right? Like it could be something like that, but. Yeah, I just, uh, I I don't know. I I just think that it, from an outsider's perspective, I haven't been watching Kuzmenko, or I haven't been watching a lot of the Canucks, but I know that he's got 14 points. I know that he had an amazing rookie season last year. I just don't see, I don't see what that is doing for your lineup. Like if, If your job as the coach is to give your team the best chance to win every night, I kind of would argue that Talkit didn't give them the best chance mm-hmm. to win last night by scratching Kuzmenko. They said, uh, I think Chris Cuthbert, as they like went into the game as he was, you know, setting it up, said that Kuzmenko is, yeah, 14 points, which is the same amount as Hurdle, who's leading the Sharks in points. Yeah. And Kuzmenko's yeah. A, a healthy scratch for the second night in a row. I for saw the a Bachelor tweet that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, uh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, and, no, it and, and if the discussion was like trading Kuzmenko for some other help, like a thing that we had been kind of tossing around in the discord earlier this week was uh, some sort of trade based around Kuzmenko for line a, uh, maybe with some retention and I don't know what other assets you'd throw in, but this is like the bones of a deal um, trading kind of like one floundering uh, one dimensional score for another one. Um, Lane signed for like two more years after this year. And I think Kuzmenko signed yep. for one. Um, Lane obviously makes more money. So there'd have to be other crap happening there, but uh, just as like a, a shakeup or something. So like if the, the discussion is you want to trade Kuzmenko instead of say Connor Garland to, uh, you know, bring in, or if it's for like defense or something, I don't fucking know. I'm not here to make trades. This is an HF boards. <laughs> but um, I, I like the the idea of like trading Kuzmenko over Garland. I'm I'm here for that. Like, 
Garland's way more of a, a driver. I thought he had a good game last night. Um, damn, five shots on net. Good for good for you, Connor Garland. Good for um, you, Connor. Would have been nice if they went in like they did against Seattle, but hey. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I like that like perfectly fine, but you got to get him playing if you're going to trade him, right? Because now you'd be like, you know, going from a position of uh, not strength when you're negotiating. Totally. Yeah, and, absolutely. And here's another interesting thing I heard. Uh, I think it was in a little clip I saw on Twitter, but it was actually no, it was on Rink Wide with Jeff Patterson ah, and Sakaris. Um, Sakaris was talking about what if you send down Anthony Beauvillier to the AHL? He hasn't done shit. He's looked fine, but like he hasn't produced whatsoever, and he's making four million dollars. You would then get. Because when you send a player that makes, I think you get one and a half million as your max cap relief for sending down a player to the Something AHL. Like that, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Like as a someone who cheers for the Leafs with Quinberg, you've been through all of this. Uh, uh, he's cap hurt mechanism. now. Actually, yeah, I don't yeah, know LTI. if you know. His career's over. His, um, we've actually his career is finished. Now. Yeah, they, <laughs> I don't know if you heard. But, might uh, be surgery, might be rehab, <laughs> but he's LTI. Uh, I know it because of Ryan Reeves. Because I think it was like. Um, I think Myrtle was talking about like Reeves signed for three years. That's so embarrassing to say. Oh my, that is three so years, crazy, and think, man. And I think it's like one point four five million or something. And mm. then like when the Leafs, uh, you know, when Leafs Nation, uh, quote unquote, was panicking uh, in the summer when they made that move, Myrtle was kind of like, "Well, that contract was designed like that number was designed because if you send him to the AHL, you're burying his entire number." So it was like they, they right, yeah. So it was sort of like maybe other teams were offering Reeves like one or one point two five or whatever. So mm -hmm. the Leafs are like, hey, we'll give you an extra twenty grand, but we're still it's still going to be under the AHL limit, so that you you understand we might send you down. At yeah. Some point. So so yeah, that one point four five that's Ethan Bear money. Yeah, so if you if you bury one of these four to five million dollar wingers that haven't really been contributing in the AHL. Maybe they get claimed and it's not your problem anymore. It would really suck to like say give say you do it with Kuzmenko, right? Man, that'd be some discourse. That'd be fun. But um because you could have traded him last deadline for a first round pick. He was like making oh easy eight hundred thousand dollars or whatever and was like a thirty nine goal scorer. Like you could get assets back and then they decide to re sign him for two years, five million. Um, that like asset mismanagement discourse would be fun, but you could bring in Ethan Bear, which the state of the Canucks defense right now could really use him. Yeah, what's going on with Bear? Like, is he just not signed because he's waiting for a he domino is, to fall in Vancouver? Well, he got hurt at the World Championships this offseason. Oh, right, he like okay, okay. bunged up his shoulder, and he's not going to be ready to play until mid to end of December. Okay, so. I see. He wasn't, but it sounds like he does want to come back and they want him back. Or yeah. Something. So Dolly wall says there's like three or four teams interested. The Canucks chiefly among them. Uh, like last week he was skating in Kelowna in his Canucks gear, which okay. I mean, it's the most recent NHL team that he played yeah. for. I think that's nothing you can read too much into, but no, uh, definitely not. I used to play against guys. I played the top div of spring league in Langley and there were guys who, uh, 
only made NHL training camp, but they would wear their NHL training oh, camp. Oh, yeah, like, of course. They were playing against you or whatever. It's like, that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean any. It doesn't mean that guy played for the Chicago Blackhawks. It just means he has a helmet with the Blackhawks sticker on it that yeah. they gave to him. Uh, in rugby, I had that too with guys that would get like sniffs at the national team and they come back to practice and it's like Team Canada shorts and training tops and stuff, which I, mean, yeah, I would do totally. the same thing too. It's, that's, yeah, that's of cool. course, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the Canucks are completely capped out right now. So I guess with Susie on LTIR now, they've freed up that like three and a half million or whatever. But that's a temporary fix. Uh, a lot of like the scuttlebutt around moving Garland is that they wanted to create one and a half million dollars of cap space. So I think it's a kind of creative, if maybe stupid idea to send down a Beauvillier or Kuzmenko for it. But it could potentially happen if there's no one that wants to tango with a trade and they are really motivated to get Ethan well, Barron. I mean, I feel Beauvillier feels like an unmovable asset to me. I don't, I don't think you can trade him. And I feel like he's definitely not getting claimed on waivers. Yeah. Well, like he's not at his money, right? He's like 4.5. Yes. Uh, he is like a pending UFA. So I guess right. you'd probably have to pay to get off of him or like you would, maybe for sure. you, you do retention. Like, yeah, you could retain. Yeah, maybe you could find a team that would take him at half. Yeah, you retain half and you throw in some form of sweetener and then maybe you can yeah, get yeah. rid of him that way. He's like fine on the ice. It's just he hasn't looked like a four million dollar player. Like he's looked like a yeah, yeah. He's looked like a solid bottom six contributing winger. One point five kind exactly. of exactly. Yeah, no, like if if some team was to sign him for that, I'd be like, Oh, that's that's good, you're gonna like him, but not right now. <laughs> yeah, fair, not not at that fair. price tag. Um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but the the Leafs, who are they going to trade for? What do you want to see? What's going on over there? They need help. They need defensive help for sure. Um, you know the Calgary guys are obviously the sort of heavy heavy rumors because uh, Brad Tree Living used to work there and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. I like all the all those Flames guys, to be honest. You know, I, I think uh, Zadorov is better than you think he is. Like, when you watch him live and stuff, like, he can actually skate for a big dude. He I am a Zadorov like. believer. Like, yes, me too. I, just me too. from, like, being in Calgary and, like, watching more Calgary games than I probably should, like, I've heard some arguments against him be like, well, he's this really big defenseman that can play the right side and skate, and he can also pop in goals, but like he leaves Chicago and Colorado, and they're not particularly upset about that. And I've also seen him like liken to a better Tyler Myers, but right. I don't know when I watch him, the man can rush the puck. He rushes he the puck, he some can good pass, hits, and like throws good hits. So he had 14 goals last year. Like he's got a bomb. Like, I don't know. I, I just it's funny because there's some subsets of the like Leafs media and, and and fan base who are like, oh, well, he's like a five six. And so, you know, you can't give up crazy assets for a five six and blah, blah, blah. First of all, the Leafs could use a five six. So that's fine. And, yeah. and in my mind, I think, you know, he's a four or five probably like if he had to be on your second oh, pair, yeah. it's not no, the end of you, the world. It's fine. He's fine. Like, I just, I know people are like, oh, you know, Tanev is the best option for the Leafs. And I like what Tanev brings. But as you know, as a Canucks fan, like he's one second away from being injured at all times. So, you know, if you're going to pay an asset cost for Chris Tanev at the deadline or in January or whenever you do it, 
and then he gets hurt, like then you're fucked. Like, you know, you could do it now. And then that way, if he gets hurt or he has some injury issues, you can kind of you have time to fix it. But if mm-hmm. you get him at the deadline and he gets hurt, there's you're fucked. So to me, that's like I, I'd just be so scared of that. I really like Noah Hannafin. I mean, to me, he's definitely the best of the oh, three guys. Easily, yeah, the Leafs need a minutes eating guy. You know, the Leafs have a set top pair. It's maybe not the best top pair, Riley and Brody, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a serviceable top pair. And then if you can start to talk about your second pair being Hannafin and Lilligren, who looked really good before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like now now you're starting to cook yeah, with gas. Yeah, and then you have like Geo and, and McCabe, McCabe as your, as third, your third pair. pair and so and McCabe's like, looked really – the Leafs moved him to the right side. At, he was injured for a little bit. He only missed like three games but or four games. But then when he came back, they moved him to the right side, and he actually looks better there. He's been like much hmm. better since he's been on the right side. So, yeah, I, I would be totally fine with that. I mean, I obviously the asset cost to get Hannafin would be high, and I would also be wary – of Trilliving trying to re-sign him for, you know, eight times eight or something like that. And and that would be yeah, really what was the me, rumored but... deal for Hannafin that like it was which... like eight times like high sevens in Calgary. And then and then Calgary started to suck and he was like, oh, I, I, psych. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Actually, which, I'm not going to sign the, the way that like Calgary runs their organization where it's like we're not going to be making these same mistakes that that Trilliving made. We're not going to let a Kachuk Goudreau happen again. And then they're like, yeah, we're, we're getting close to signing Hannafin. He was going to be gone this summer. Now he wants back to, oh, we're going to wait and see. You can't be like flip-flopping that much as a management team, right? Like if you're a fan watching the games or podcasting, it's like easy to have like different takes based on like what's in front of you um, and be emotional about it. But what are you doing, Craig? Come on now. Come on, Craigie. Make a decision. Make it happen. Yeah. So I just, you know, I think all those guys are good candidates. The NHL is so hard because you can sit here in November and say, okay, well, the Leafs need a D-man. And and then you go, okay, who would they want? Who would be a good trade fit? And just like, you know, 25 of the teams think they have a chance of making the playoffs still or whatever. So at this time of the season, it's so hard to even – you know, people say to me, like you, like, who would you want in the Leafs? It's like, I don't even know who would potentially be available. Yeah. Because right now, there's only like five teams that look like they're for sure going to miss the playoffs. And most of them don't have anything that the Leafs would want or that they would give up. You know, like Chicago's obviously going to end up tanking again this mm-hmm. year. They don't have any, all their D men are either like 23 and under or they're Seth Jones. So like, there's just not or Connor Murphy. Yeah, you guys should get like, Seth okay, Jones. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I wouldn't. Big. I wouldn't even take Seth Jones at half retention. <laughs> I wouldn't even take him at because half. I think for him would be four point seven five. Yeah, for like, another six years or five oh years, I wouldn't even do that. I wouldn't even do that. Um. Yeah, that would be that'd be really bad. Yeah, like you look at the Flames right now. They have a game in hand on Seattle, and they win that game in hand. They're in the last wild card spot. Yeah, like, so it's just like that's the thing too. It's like, yeah, I know Calgary started the season bad, but you know, it doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to ship everybody out. I mean, I think, you know, Zadorov requested a trade, so if he ends up being the only guy that moves, I'll happily take him. Especially cuz you know, I thought in the wake of his sort of trade request, I was like, "Oh, you know, would the Leafs have to give up sort of a lesser prospect for him? What would that look like?" And then a lot of the Leafs pundits were like, "Yeah, it'd probably be a third." And I was like, a third for Zadorov? Uh, Easy. Where do I sign, yeah. baby? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Anytime. I, so, 
I've been thinking about like the market for these defensemen and what the, the cost might be. Uh, similarly, like as a Canucks fan, I would like to see well, yeah, them require like, either to be of them, in right? too, but, then, yeah. the, but then Calgary said that like, well, we don't want to trade him within the division, which is fucking stupid because he's a pending UFA. If he wants to go there, he can just go there in July. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. And you're not you, making the playoffs yeah, this like, year, so you're you not going to. Yeah. yeah. Maximize your return. Who gives a shit where he goes to? Um, but it looks like the Canucks would have to pay more than like the Leafs would in order to get Nikita Zadorov, which, okay, whatever, fine, you can have him. Um, but, uh, yeah, last deadline, like the, the Hronik trade, that was a first and a second for Hronik, who's been fucking great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you knew if you knew what Hronik was doing now, uh, you would you would pay that price every day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the time, it seemed a little backwards because they worked to get that first from the Islanders for Horvat yeah, like, and whatever. It didn't seem like it made a lot of sense. But, you know, if you're getting defensemen are so hard to acquire in the NHL mm-hmm. and top pair defensemen are almost impossible. Yeah. So, like, if you're telling me if, if he is truly a top pair defenseman, um, which it appears which he's looked he like be. so far. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're saying, oh, you can have a top pair defenseman for a first and a second, every team in the NHL yeah. is doing that. And it's under team control. Like his, his RFA arbitration is going to get really spooky. If he keeps up like this, like, yeah, it's going it to be will. absolutely. Yeah, like what would you, eights. what would you want to pay? Like, let, let's say, let's say Hronik keeps up mostly this level of play. Obviously, I think the Canucks as a whole are due for some kind of dip. But yeah, like, I mean, they're let's, five let's say five he ends the year ten, with like, like, let's say he ends the year with 10 goals, uh, 55 points, and he looks just as good beside Quinn for all year. What would your be your ideal that you would want to pay him? Something in the sevens, I think, would be right. like, I'll be happy with that. Like Quinn makes 7.8. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So if his if his contract was signed one year later, he would be making in the nines. Yeah. If yeah, his his like added value has to be like in the 13s right now. Like, oh, absolutely. If not more. Yeah. Um, oh, so you, for no question. I would kind of hope that like the internal uh, cap structure would keep him like maybe at that Quinn Hughes number. But he also has a case, especially if it goes to arbitration to get it much much higher right so isn't arbitration only one or two years though yes so maybe it wouldn't be as high because it would be based on it would be based on that yeah that's true um but but yeah you're still facing down like you take them to arbitration you guys hate each other after the arbitration's over and you only get them like one year at six or something like that yeah and then you're just, and then the next year, and then he does this again and gets even more points. And yeah, then, then you're absolutely, and the cap screwed. goes up, and then it's even more, right? Like, so yeah, uh, probably your only chance if he keeps this up, your only chance to get him in the sevens is signing him this year, probably. Oh, absolutely, he's a uh, point per game right now: two goals, twenty assists, twenty-two points in twenty-two games. Like, yeah, if, if he was somehow to finish at eighty points, like he has a very valid case for getting paid like nine, ten million dollars, which this Canucks team can't afford. So it'll be kind of up to him on like whether yeah, or not he wants true. to be on a competitor or if he wants to like get paid and go through the arbitration process. So, I mean, I won't be shocked if it's somewhere like in the eights, but I think you're right though. Like they would have to keep him below Quinn. 
Yeah, but like that only works to a a point. It only right? works like, to a certain extent, like, and obviously, if the cap goes up like five million, yeah. then it's kind of a different equation. But because uh, yeah. I don't know what the the contract was, like Rantanen in uh, Colorado makes probably what like ten ish. He's ten ten five, I think. Yeah, Macar's and- less. Macar's like nine five or nine eight or something like that. But yeah. McKinnon is 11, 12, 11, six. Five or, tw- or 12, six. Right. Because Austin just beat yeah. it with like 13.1 or whatever. Renton is, is is nine two five, And he would he signed oh, that like okay. when McKinnon was still like at five and a half or whatever. So you're right. Not but that able was to... an exceptional circumstance that McKinnon yes. was, had to sign that contract coming off of a very bad season. And... Yeah. Yeah. So like you can't just say, well, if Nathan McKinnon is making that, we could only give you four Miko. Um <laughs> But, yes, uh, for sure. But I think Quinn's is high enough, especially with it being his partner and there being a chance that Quinn is elevating him or well, oh, not yeah, a chance, a chance like that's definitely absolutely happening. what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's kind of a I think in this scenario with him being Quinn's direct defense partner and Quinn is clearly better. Yeah. Um, you know, Quinn could win the Norris this year. Uh you know, the fucking I think, heart if he keeps this up, like well, he's not going to win the heart. Defensemen never win the heart, but it is uh, funny. It is cute. It is cute when Canucks fans talk about that, but it's never going to happen. He won't even be nominated. He won't even be in the top three, but he won't. Carlson had a hundred million points last year and was yeah, on a shitty team. If the Canucks are like a playoff team and Quinn Hughes, no, no, baby, he's not going to win the heart. It's just not going to happen. So don't get your hopes up. But I'm all getting, I'm saying I'm is in that situation, <laughs> In that situation, I think Heronic would have to take less than Quinn. I, I think there's like not not really a world where you could. Uh... Now, could he get more than Quinn going somewhere else oh, and saying, "Hey, sure. look, I'm a bona fide top pair guy. Pay me like one." Then yeah. sure, yes. Which I mean, if that's the case, he could just sign his QO, and if they don't resign yeah. him before that, and then just walk to free agency, which. Okay, whatever. Get another year at cost control. Yeah, what's could his be QO right. like Ooh. for something? Ooh, what's he ooh, making right now? Five, making five. Philip Hironic, uh, four, 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 four. Okay, so his QO is it's the same number, right? Or it's an average of that contract. Well, that's so his AAV, and I guess his base salary now is five point five. So, so that's his QO, I think. Then, yeah, like I'm on cap friendly. I don't. Where the hell? Qualifying. Think, oh yeah, I think his the QO is based on five two eight. Okay, yeah, so. That's so yeah. I mean, if you're the Canucks, me. you're doing you're ha- you're happy if he signs and, that. And I think if you're him, you're motivated to not do that because it's like, hey, oh. I could be making like three million more dollars next year oh, and absolutely. like cash in for a long time instead of like absolutely having to like bet on. I mean, myself. John Klingberg, right, is like the <laughs> the greatest example. Oh of, my god, uh, the biggest bag you know? fumbler. Yeah. Which how happy are the Dallas Stars that they uh stuck to their guns there? Whoo. Oh my God, man. I mean, yeah, obviously it does seem like he's injured. Like it seems like it's a hip thing. And if Mm -hmm. it's like a Nicholas Backstrom hip thing, then his career is probably over. Um, But, you know, he's still young enough that maybe it's not that bad, but it definitely seems like the Leafs guys you, you listen to, they're like, this isn't made up. Like he's definitely hurt. Maybe it's worse than the Leafs thought it was going to be, or maybe he tweaked because he did miss some of training camp too. So there's some belief that maybe it got Mm. worse in training camp or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like the NHL these days, the demands it puts on the players' bodies, uh, you know, anybody can turn into a lemon at any time. So it's just a tough, you know, tough road to to go down. uh, And 
Yeah, scary. Yeah. Um, a couple more things before we wrap up. I was looking at the standings just to see like who's in the play. The fucking Minnesota Wild. I knew they were doing bad, but they are doing bad. They have a three eight nine win percentage. They only have five wins this year. Oh, they're brutal. They can't score. Like not no no one can score. Uh, last year, Philip Gustafson had a Vesna caliber season. He didn't play enough games to mm-hmm. be nominated. But as far as his numbers, uh, he was Vesna caliber this season. He has decidedly not been that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this as a Philip Gustafson fantasy league yep, same. owner. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, uh, I guess, uh, having your cap ceiling be $13 million lower than the rest of the league is uh, not very good. <laughs> turns uh, out closer to 15 lower. Yeah. Uh, it's four, that's so crazy. Seven, four, three. Uh, and it's, they still have that next year too. And it's not like they have a bunch of money coming off. Like. No, they, they keep giving guys deals like they gave Zuccarello a new deal. They just gave Ryan Hartman a, a stupid amount of money. Yeah, uh, uh, like it's yeah, just, it's four million know. for three more years after this. So like, yeah, I didn't even notice that because they lose Mark Andre Fleury, but they gave the Fleury money to Ryan Hartman, and then yeah. other than that, they have Goligoski expiring at two million, but they've already given that raise to Felino. Um, Yes, they save Felino, I forgot Z- they re-signed too. Yeah, oh. for another million, and then like Zuccarello's making two million less, so I guess they get a little bit of space. But yeah, their pending rough, UFAs man. are Brennan Duhame, yeah, he's Patrick Mal- Maroon, Alex Golgoski, Zach Bogosian, and Mark Andre Fleury. There's not like a bunch of money coming. No, off, it's so. the same because t- they had to. They knew that they were going to have this uh deflated cap so they just tried to sign all of their main guys to fit as like a puzzle underneath that cap yeah and then they're just kind of hoping that some of the iowa wild guys they can call up like sammy walker who just tore his acl for the third time jesus in, uh, christ camp or whatever guys like that can come up i pay a lot of attention to the wild because in my fantasy league with stefan i have erickson eck boldy and gustafson Um, so I pay a lot of attention to the wild and yeah, it just like, it just seems so weird. Like I understand, I sort of understand why they got off those contracts, I guess. I mean, I I don't really, but I, you know, whatever, I guess you can squint and see it, but then to have your cap hit be 68 million or whatever it is. Um, and then think like, this is the team and we're just going to try to re-sign everybody, even as they get older, Mm -hmm. like what's Zuccarello 37. 36 like, right now yeah and like hartman's not that young either like 30 29 it'll be 30 okay. when the new contract kicks in yeah, yeah felino's so 32 like, um like given these contracts i mean they got lucky like they got i mean boldy hasn't played well this year but they got him in the sevens which is crazy yeah. erickson Eck is in the fives i think yeah which is sixes, really good which is really good i mean he looks like an absolute stud uh but yeah it's just like it's such a weird thing they got going on there yeah. like there's moments where you feel like garen is one of the more competent gms in the league and then there's other moments where you think like oh no he's kind of just an old hockey moron guy. yeah and, and kaprizov seems to be playing hurt like Pedersen as yes, well from that's what they're all saying. what i've garnered they should trade him to vancouver kaprizov yeah here's a sure, couple first yeah. round picks here you go 
You, we've Doesn't Kaprizov make problems. nine or yeah, ten? Yeah, makes nine. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, um, sure. We'll just... Uh, yeah. Well, you get rid of Beauvillier and Garland. Yeah, and, and got Myers nine, expired. Basically got nine money. mil right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, the last thing. What, William Carlson. What's going to happen there? I don't know. What, is he expiring? Not William Carlson. The other Carlson. William Nylander. Nylander. That's the, the other William, not the other Carlson. The other, I was like, William Carlson. I didn't think that was that interesting of a story. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, yeah. Nylander, what's happening? Uh, well, I think at this point, they're going to be lucky to get him in the tens. I think it's uh, the way he's playing. He's because he's, he's also like he's getting to be more of a complete player too. like he's penalty killing now and uh, he looks stronger defensively and in my limited game breaking skills of the Leafs, he pops way more than oh, like Marner. Yeah. He, well, Marner, I don't know what's going on with him this year. He's he's Marner and Matthews both have not been their usual selves. Like Matthews has 16 goals or whatever, but like three, like 10 of those are in three games. Like yeah. He's had a four goal game and two hat tricks, I think, or three hat tricks, whatever it is. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's just like, Nylander looks like has looked like their best player all year. And, you know, you talk about setting a cap ceiling like the Leafs have always struggled with that. Like when they mm-hmm. gave Austin 11 six on his first deal, then Marner making 10.5 all of a sudden made sense. Yeah. And now you're giving Austin 13 one or whatever it is. Uh, so if Austin's because Mitch comes up like so Mitch is uh, he has one more year, but they can start yeah. re-signing him this summer. Yes. So it's like if Mitch is or sorry, if Austin's making 13 one and Mitch is making 11 five or 12 or whatever mm-hmm. it is, then what's Willie worth? You know, so I I, I don't know. I don't know if Mitch is going to get that big of a raise necessarily. Yeah. I think he's paid fairly. Like I think Probably, another yeah. Another six years at 10-5 is probably about what he's worth. Um, but yeah, I think the Leafs are probably praying they can get Nylander to start with a nine. And I don't know. Which, if why would he happen. do that? Like he already took the big pay cut last time. So, well, the only reason is the eight years because he wants to stay in Toronto. Like okay. everything you hear from everybody is he is set on staying in Toronto. So the, the reason is like, so if you pay him, let's say it's nine five, yeah, you know, and you pay him that by eight years, that's like seventy five million. So if he was going to get that on the open market, he would have to get ten five or eleven from another uh, team okay. over seven yeah. years. So that's the that's kind of what some people are saying is like maybe they can get him in the high nines because they can sign him for that eighth year and he wants to be here for all eight years, but. Yeah, it's it's tricky, man. It's a it's a tough scenario. But I I it from everything you hear, it's gonna get done. It's okay. just it's just what what scary number that might. Yeah. Be. Well, how the I just as an outsider, I've just been wondering how the hell they make that work. I guess you have Brody expiring. Yeah, the Leafs have no contract issues. Like okay. it's funny. Well, obviously Klingberg, but he's off the books at the end yeah. of this year. Domi and Bertuzzi are both off the books at the yeah. end. Like they all signed one-year deals. Okay. But it's also so like the Leafs work. just it's don't just... have bad contracts. Like yeah. they they don't really have any unmovable contracts other than Klingberg, who's now on LTIR and yeah. and Reeves. And Reeves, who you can always just. Bury. But there are still some Leafs guys who think that if the Leafs put Reeves on waivers, he would get claimed. Really. 
Yeah. By fucking like, because appa- apparently the reason the Leafs gave Reeves three is because he had three from someone else. That is crazy. And the Leafs went three and just a little bit higher. So then he came Absolutely to the bonkers. It's bonkers, man. It's fucking... Apparently the Wild. Like, the, it was it was the Wild. That's why huh. the Wild got Maroon. The Wild really oh, wanted Reeves back. Oh, shit. And then, because uh, they, yeah, Garen and whatever, they just thought he was a great dressing room fit and all that. And so they wanted him back. And then when they couldn't sign him, that's when they signed Maroon. But anyway, yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think about. I can't imagine if he gets put on waivers, someone claims him, but they've said that it's like, it's, they're not saying it's likely, but it's, it's a non-zero chance that if they put him on waivers, someone would claim him, which is insane. But apparently that would, man, that'd be very interesting roster construction. Like just for next season, standing by itself with Matthews at 13.25, Tavares at 11, Marner at 10.9, and then Nylander at 9.5. You're looking at like half your cap being tied up by... And Riley at 8.5 or whatever. 7.5, yeah. 7.5, so yeah. You have, that was a good like, deal. I guess, yeah, that's fine. Um, five players making one of the just quick mental... Tavares comes like, off the books after next year, though. Yeah. So at least you have that. And there's some talk also that he would maybe do a hometown discount. Okay. You know, I can he's, see he's not going to take, well, league, right? he's not yeah. take league min, but maybe he takes like four million for three years on his next deal or something. Yeah, yeah. And just like plays out his twilight there and contributes. Because yeah. I mean, he's still like a very much a contributing member of an oh, NHL yeah. roster. He, he, he's, like, been, he's, he's been very good this year. Oh, um, yeah, totally. Totally. But yeah, there's all that talk during the the, the finals. Like, oh, there's a, these teams that will make it over $10 million. You can't be overpaying these stars. Like, this is the antithesis to that. One last yeah. question. How's, yes. how's Tyler Bertuzzi been? He's been living up to Better lately. Yeah. Better lately. Looked really bad to start the year. They started him with Matthews and Marner, and it just wasn't a fit there. Um, and he was also playing hurt. There was some talk they were going to sit him for a game that never ended up happening, but they were talking about how he was playing hurt and then they moved him to the Tavares Nylander line and he's fit there like a glove and he's looked really okay, good. Cool. So yeah, he's, he's interesting. Cause he, when you watch him play, he almost doesn't look like he knows how to play. Yeah. Like his skating stride is very clunky. Uh, even when he goes into hit guy, like it's just the way his body moves, you know, they're just some guys, awkward, the way they yeah. move and skate. You're like, how is this guy? A, whoops. How is this guy a great athlete? And um, he, but yeah, he, he's just a good, he's a solid contributor and, and kind of a guy that I know the Leafs got him thinking about the playoffs, mm-hmm. but he really does feel like a guy that you get him into the playoffs and he's going to grease it up and, and be a, which is good. I love little pesty yeah. little guys like that. I was yeah. cool. He's played on like three original six teams. It's quite the, the career. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And, uh, you know, we just have to hope he doesn't get COVID. Yeah. Then you're, then you're hooped. He could, then he, well, he hopefully could he doesn't die. get any blood clot. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. He, he'll be the only player on the team, not getting blood clots, not getting yeah. blood clots. Yeah. Of All right. course, yes. Well, John, exactly. thank you so much for doing this. Um, my my pleasure. Sorry that our, uh, you know, you and I are both in the same boat here. Our little goblin friend yeah, just thinks he can bastard. leave whenever he, whenever he wants. Gallivanting around the world. Yeah. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm oh, gone. My See friend's ya. Good luck. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so when's Stefan back? I guess I could pull up my notes. I know he left he's on the back 19th. Next, uh, he's back on the 30th. So that's Thursday, I think. Okay, well, probably do an episode with Stefan then. Um so don't expect anything until after the 30th, I guess. <laughs> uh, then we'll be back to our normal twice a week uh, recording schedule. So 
thanks everybody for for understanding. And if you don't understand, fuck you. <laughs> thanks uh, for having yeah, me. Yeah, check out Block Party and Sirius XM Radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, leave it on all day, and there is a chance at some point in the day you will hear me. Beautiful. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>